The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It's the Jeremiah Show. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show. Two legends in the music industry, Larry Chance and Billy Vera, earlier this year in September, in fact, announced their rendition and the release of the rendition of the timely classic, Stand By Me. Larry Chance is best known as the lead singer of the Earls, famous for the early 60s doo-wop classics like Remember Then, Life Is But A Dream, and I Believe, a song that was dedicated to a former group member who was sadly killed while serving in the armed forces. And likewise, Grammy winner Billy Vera is best remembered for his 1987 number one smash, at this moment, the heartbreak hit song that was also featured on the TV sitcom Family Ties. Now, Family Ties, I don't want to get off track here, but Family Ties was my favorite show. <laughs> and I used to uh, try to stay up late and watch it uh, every week. I just love Family Ties. And I, and I remember the song well for many reasons uh, that I will mention here in a moment. Um, Billy Vera is also known for Storybook Children, the song uh, that and duet that he recorded with gospel singer Judy Clay. And if you remember our, our interview with Billy um, f- about 70 shows back, he told the story, which was just so incredible, uh, must have just been an incredible evening. And it was the first international, uh, excuse me, first interracial duo to grace the stage of Harlem's Apollo Theater in 1968. It's an event that is still remembered by the music community to this very day. Billy Vera is our very special guest today. Billy's musical career spans the past four decades and many different musical genres, from R&B to soul, from country to rock and roll. Often compared to the vocal stylings of the great blues singers, he remains 
one of the most respected and the greatest vocalists of our time. So today, Santa Barbara is where I sit, at the studios here, the radio studio studios, and it's a cold, blustery winter day here in Santa Barbara. Our little Spanish town welcomes the wet drops of rain on our red-toweled rooftops. It's been a while since we've had a good rain. Today is one of those days. High above me, the dark skies can't seem to decide if they want to empty their bellies on me or hold their water. On my way to the studio, wiper blades furiously swatting the raindrops away. The thought of spending the next hour with the great Billy Vera and listening to some music with him is a thought that warms me. Billy Vera was on the show last year. He was navigating the new world, a world just barely opening up again to shared life with each other. And two years without any live music performances that included audiences. It was a strange time, and it feels like a decade ago, but it was only last year. And on that show, we got to know Billy, the artist, the man. This is our very first time with Billy. So it's a great memory for me. That was episode 430, if you'd like to go back and listen. He came back, <laughs> which is so nice because it, uh, it's, it's hard to, to get to know someone in just one hour, uh, especially someone like Billy. He's multifaceted, multi-talented. Uh, an hour is not enough. Always the storyteller, always the performer, and an ultimate gentleman. Spending the hour with Billy was such a pleasure. Again, I'm looking forward to another chance and another hour with Billy today. Listen to this important full name. I love Billy. You were, v- Billy Vera was born William Patrick McCord on May 28th, 1944. This date gave me pause because this was barely one year earlier than my father's birthday, who, who's passed, uh, sadly. Uh, but he was born in May 1945. I wonder if my dad and, and Billy like some of the same music artists growing up in the same time. Billy has been a professional singer-songwriter since the 1960s, and when I think about this fact, I realize that Billy has seen music evolve and witnessed the birth of rock. He lived through the uh, tail end of the big bands, jazz, swooners, and crooners of my grandparents' age, from folk music to the exciting time of the electric guitar. He's witnessed Elvis and the Beatles debut to the world. He's been witness to that craze. He's seen disco, metal, 80s pop, 90s grunge. Billy has been a player, a contender, a hit maker as a songwriter for some of the biggest names in music like Barbara Lewis, Fats Domino, The Shirelles, Ricky Nelson, Bonnie Raitt, Lou Rawls. Uh, The list goes on and on. He has a Grammy. He has seen the other side too. The business of making music. I wonder what Billy thinks of the music business today. How easy it is for a new artist to record in their closet, to engineer and mix a single on their laptop, and market themselves on Instagram and TikTok. It's changed quite a bit, the music business. So let's find out. I'd like to invite you to get warm and cozy and join Billy, Vera, and I as we spin some vinyl together. Welcome back, Billy. 
Great to be back, Jeremiah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, it's such a pleasure and a nice rainy day like this together. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I, the music that you sent me, uh, I want to point out that you picked, handpicked every every song that is played in this episode. Um, and I cannot wait to listen to it with you and talk about it. Talk about the music. Um, some of the best music. These are all, uh, most of these songs that you sent are, are markers for me, milestones in different periods of my life. Your, your big hit um, was, I went to three proms in high school. <laughs> I, I was invited by a, uh, the senior homecoming queen, LaDonna was her name, I remember. Um, when I was only a sophomore, I went to the, the prom and your song was the song that we all couldn't wait to come on so that we could get a little closer and dance. <laughs> was that in Santa Barbara then? No, this was up in Preach River, Idaho. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So we were talking off air and Billy, uh, it's raining where you're at as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're in Los Angeles. Before we go into the, the, the our talk here, uh, I was speaking to someone last night, uh, an old friend of yours, and she said, you've got you to ask Billy this for me. She said, bring up just the name, April Blackwood Music on 1650 Broadway in New York City. That was a publishing company owned by uh, Columbia Records, CBS Network, uh -huh. where I, uh, right after my Ricky Nelson record, which was the first song, by the way, I ever took to a publisher, and I got talk about beginner's luck. <laughs> uh, in those days, it was a, it was a cottage industry, you know, music. Uh, and so if you had one little hit record by a Ricky Nelson, everybody on Broadway knew who you were. Mm. And you could you could knock on doors and people would actually see you. They would they all had pianos in their offices and uh, they you could play your songs for them. So I did. And uh, this April Blackwood music uh, was a man named Jerry Typher was the head of it. And he, uh, he, he said, look, we got an empty office here. <laughs> you go in there and you write and we'll give you 75 bucks a week, which is <laughs> an advance against royalties. Okay. How he much said, is that in today's dollar? Do you know? Do you know? What would uh, that be it's like? Probably about, uh, probably a good six or seven times that. But so good uh, money. I, there was a fellow there named Chip Taylor who you know from writing Wild Thing and Angel of the Morning. And he, he was four years ahead of me, and he also went to the same high school I, had gone, I went to. And uh, so Jerry said, I'm going to put you with Chip. He said, you're, you're young, and you, you still need a little seasoning. <laughs> so the first song that Chip and I wrote together became a hit by Barbara Lewis, Make Me Belong to You. And we, in those days, you got if you had a hit record with it, with your song, you got cover records. And we must have had about 15 or 20 covers all around the world in different languages. And I, I think I have it in this Italian and Spanish and French and all these different languages. So that was very cool. And then as a result of that, um, we got to meet Jerry Wexler, who was the big cheese at Atlantic Records, yeah. which was my favorite record company. Okay. That's who Barbara Lewis recorded for. He, he and we were invited to the session. And after that, we said, let's write a duet. Maybe we'll get a couple of Atlantic artists now that we have entree 
to Wexler, uh, we can, you know, Jerry Typher will send us up there and say, uh, my boy's got a, a song for you. So we go up, we made a demo in those days. You made a demonstration record with just some girl, some local girl and, uh, and me. And we played it for Wexler and he pounded his fist on the desk and he said, uh, man, that's a smash. Oh, nice. Get rid of the girl and I'll record you <laughs> on Atlantic Records. So I had to get it. I had to find a girl. But as luck would have it, I was my band and I were a house band at this great nightclub. Uh, to this day, one of the best clubs I ever worked at it was right on the border of Connecticut uh, and, and Westchester County in New York. And uh, we'd get on weekends, we'd get hit record acts, you know, one on Friday and one on Saturday. And uh, one of the acts that came up there rather often was Patti LaBelle and the Bluebells, which was a great act. Mm -hmm. They were wow. also very inexpensive act. They, they, they would come up from Philadelphia as a three hour drive for $350, less 10% commission to their agent. They would come up in a car, their manager, his wife and the four girls and their little crinoline gowns in the trunk. And, and of course, they would drive home that night because they couldn't afford it at that price to, to stay over in a hotel. Anyway, I, I became friendly with them. We we had a, a very good band that could read music, which was unusual. Most most club bands uh, were terrible. Uh, and and the, Patty, I remember telling us, said, there's only two bands in the whole East Northeast that can play our music properly. You and this band from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Wow, so cool. there was a girl in the group named Nona Hendricks, and she had a deeper voice than Patty. And I thought that her voice might blend well with mine. So I called her up. You want to make a record with me? I'm going to be on Atlantic. You're on Atlantic. You know, so there's no contractual problems. She said, yeah, I'd love to. So we recorded the song with her. And then their manager got into the act and uh, he said, well, if Billy and Nona have a hit and the group might break up and blah, blah, blah. So then we had to audition about 20 more girls and they all sounded like they should be singing Stephen Sondheim songs. You know, they were just wrong for the, for the song. And at the last minute, Wexler called up. He said, listen, we, we got this girl, Judy Clay. She's a cousin of Dionne Warwick and, uh, and she's got a great voice. Why don't you audition her? So Judy comes up to the office at April Blackwood. And she looked like she was about 14 months pregnant and she had a chip on her shoulder, the size of Wyoming, <laughs> and, you know, because, because first of all, everybody in the family had had some success. Dion Warwick, Dee Dee Warwick, her sister, um, the aunt, uh, Sissy Houston, and Judy's sister was a member of the Sweet Inspirations, Judy's sister, Sylvia. And Judy had made records but hadn't had a hit yet. So she had a bit of an attitude, you know, but she sang great. And after she left, they said, well, she sings great, but you think you can handle that attitude? I said, well, I got a sister like that. I think I can handle that. <laughs> so Judy and I ended up becoming great friends until the day she died. Her son, who she was pregnant with at the time we met, you know, he's, he's, he's a friend of mine still, Leo. And that was that was pretty much it. We, we recorded the song. Uh, 
Jerry Wexler adds, added a violins to it, mm, our demo. Beautiful. And, uh, and the record became a hit record. And, and, and you know, the rest of it, we, we played the Apollo and became very popular up there. Yeah, we're actually going to play this as we go to break here in a moment. Um, but to play a little extended, it's just such a beautiful song. You guys are so great together. Um, to to go back to that where we started out of that question, it was at, the person that wanted me to say hello to you after she hasn't talked to you for years, Cheryl uh, Firstein. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, from East she West was, Media. She was a secretary. She was Tony Orlando's secretary. Michael <laughs> Blackwood. In and fact, I, strangely enough, Larry Chance and I were just on Tony's uh, radio show back in New York. She's actually calling me right now to be look how good the coincidence. That's oh, great. it. Yeah. Great. Great. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I'm glad she said. I said he'll remember you, and she said. Well, maybe you better ask him on break, <laughs> just in case he doesn't. Well, no, we're going to talk with uh, very well. Yeah, yeah, she's so great. Uh, she's actually uh, in Florida on the East Coast right now. The storm, the big storm that's hitting the East oh, Coast, boy. is on its way in. So, um, she was a very nice girl. I remember her very well. Oh, great. Well, we're going to listen to Storybook Children together. I kind of feel like. Billy, um, I, you know what I did? I also searched online to see if I could find most of these on vinyl, like a vinyl recording, like a true Ooh. vinyl recording. So I just felt like you and I together, like if we were in the same room, just and we are basically, uh, just yeah. listening to some of your great music and sharing it with the listeners and then the stories behind, um, behind the song. Is there anything more you can tell me about Storybook Children and creating... The song itself, I, I, Chip came up with the title. Uh, what does it refer to? I, I mean, besides well, it, the, it, you know, uh, it wasn't an interracial song per se. Uh, it was it was more of a, a more of a song that you know one of the people was married and and they were in love but they couldn't they couldn't be like storybook children right okay so it, it really didn't matter what the race of the two singers were but we wanted the sound mm -hmm. uh, almost the like a sound. Romeo and Juliet a little bit and. Yeah, in a way. and it actually helped us because when, when we, you know, in those days, you didn't get to make an album unless you had a hit single. Uh, and, and, of course, it was no cost to the, to the record company because they would, your hit single would pay for the album. And if, and if the, your follow-up single wasn't a hit, it, well, so what? You know, the, 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 there was no great loss. But anyway, they had a picture of us on the cover which was, which was kind of difficult for the poor photographer to light because Judy was rather dark and I was about as white as you can get. And, and the lighting was difficult for them, I remember, to try to get both of us to look like we were still in the same room. I think it's an actually a really... I looked at the cover for quite a while. I was I was actually going to try to describe it um, for the. Then I just thought, you know, it's just you need to look look it up on your own. It's, it, it reminds me of those old album covers and the the yeah. lighting and the. Uh, I, I just thought it was, and the just, and the shot of the two of you, you know, the expressions. I thought was really. It's telling. just your basic, uh, you know, your basic portrait, you know, of two people. Yeah. 
What do you remember about the recording that maybe isn't out there and talked about too much? You know, something behind um, the scenes that, how was that session? How was that? Well, the, fir the first session was with me and Nona. So we kept my vocal uh, from that because we were on separate microphones. And, uh, and so when we brought in Judy, all we had to do was add her voice to, to what was there. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, originally, uh, I, I, I heard, we heard it as a sort of a, a southern record with horns, a horn background. But Jerry Wexler didn't like the, the, the horn arrangement. So he took those off. And, and at the end, I, as it turned out, it was at the end of a Patti LaBelle and the Bluebell session uh, that, he, that he had the string players there already. So he just used, did, did what they used to call a split session. Uh, he, he, he put the strings on our record at the end of the Patti LaBelle session. In fact, um, you know, Judy's passed away uh, a couple of years ago. These guys did a documentary about me, and uh, and we I, I managed to get a hold of Nona, and we filmed her uh, an interview with her against the East River in New York, which is a lovely background. And, and she she uh, she had some nice things to say, you know, mm -hmm. uh, about it. We mm. we had some pretty cool people in the documentary is called From Harlem, not from just Harlem to Hollywood. And it's on great, Amazon Prime. Great title. In fact, we're we're showing it here on our on the YouTube video. We're we're putting your cover up. Oh, cool. well, we're putting the cover up for the book. Um, uh -huh. uh, and we're gonna talk about the documentary when we get back. Oh, there's the, the book. Yeah, there's the book from I love that. Harlem to Hollywood. That's a great, great title. Billy Vera is our special guest today. I want you to go to BillyVera.com and see uh, what Billy's up to. There's, uh, he's always up to something. I, you, your website and your uh, what you put out uh, kind of makes me a little bit tired, Billy. <laughs> you don't slow down much, do you? Uh, go check him out on Instagram and follow him as I am at Billy Vera. I'm going to spell it for you. Billy, B-I-A. L-L-Y, Vera, V-E-R-A. On Twitter, at Billy Beater. On Facebook, at Billy.Vera. And the documentary and the memoir, Harlem to Hollywood, is available now. Uh, I found it on Amazon Prime. And I'm sure you can find it in a bunch of other places. We'll be right back with the great Billy Vera, BillyVera.com. And when we go to break here, we're going to talk about the song we've been talking about uh, together here. And you guys got the inside scoop. It's the it's storybook children, Billy Vera and Judy Clay. We'll be right back. You've got his ring. You've got his heart. You've got his baby.
Mr. Restaurant is a tasty new segment on The Jeremiah Show. Host Will Knox, renowned restaurant real estate specialist, serves up a fresh look at the restaurant business. On the menu, celebrity chefs, startups, operators, deal makers, designers, and those are just some of the appetizers. Look for all of Mr. Restaurant shows. Tell your smart speaker to play The Jeremiah Show, Mr. Restaurant. Hi, I'm Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Hey, everybody, it's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack telling you, asking you to watch the show Sprung on Freebie, Amazon's new free channel, I promise you it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. Hi, I'm Mariel Hemingway, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Billy Vera is on the Jeremiah show today. Wow. What an honor. An honor to have Billy Vera back on the show. Um, Billy, you were telling a story when we went to commercial break, and I, I'd like you to tell it so that all the listeners can hear it, not just me being selfish, just you and I alone here hearing all these great stories. Please, please pick up where you were at. Well, it was just, it's just a short little uh, aside uh, you know, we were talking about cover records before, and there were several on Storybook Children, uh, the, the bestseller of which was on a gold album by Nancy Sinatra and uh, Lee Hazelwood, who was her producer. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that was that was from a, from a fiscal point of view, that was pretty cool. <laughs> so you're on your way. They got to do it on Ed Sullivan, and we didn't. Uh, did you get a royalty, though? Do you still get royalty checks, hopefully? Oh, sure. <laughs> now, you know, you mentioned at the beginning um, Ricky Nelson, and you walked in You walked in, and you were you, the doors were opening, and you started making money. Was there a struggle at all, or did you go right into, uh, you know, pretty much, it sounds like success- uh, f- followed your talent right away or found your talent I was able to eke out a living um, you know because I was playing with the band mm-hmm. uh, about f- in those days about four nights a week so I did that and then and then whatever uh, advance you know every six months they'd give you a little raise uh, at, at April Blackwood uh, like I said I started out with 75 bucks a yeah. week 
uh, so you know the gigs the, the band gigs would pay between oh if it was a weekend you'd, you'd make about 25 bucks a piece and if it was a week night you, you'd get about 15 bucks a night so you could you could make a living in those days like that you know yeah. i mean my my my, my first apartment I got. I was married briefly uh, around that time, and my first apartment was a nice apartment. It was one hundred and forty dollars a month. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, what you you work one week and you pay your rent. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Well, and that, that was really the way that it was structured. You yeah. know, uh, finances were structured in those days. Well, now people work six weeks and they pay one month's rent. I know. <laughs> we came back with oh this and it's still playing right now in the background a room with a view lou rawls can can you tell us about that song sure. and the creation and the collaboration i wrote that with the great blues man lowell fulson mm. who you may remember he wrote a song and recorded a song called tramp yes uh and uh so it was suggested by a mutual friend you know the, that he and i write together so i went down to his house and uh we, we we wrote the song while we were watching general hospital with the sound turned off in about 20 minutes and lowell had an idea he said there's this band up in new england called room full of blues he said maybe if we write a song by that title they'll record it so we wrote it and then i went home and and i lived in a little apartment at the time uh, one of those little garden apartments in the second floor 146 bucks a month and this one now is about 650 a month uh, this was in the mid 80s going up yeah uh <laughs> so but across the little courtyard there lived a beautiful actress of course every everywhere you <laughs> everywhere you turn your head there's a beautiful actress in la Anyway, she was coming out of the shower and, and, and uh, she's walking down the hallway in her apartment. I could see everything, <laughs> literally everything. All the windows are open. Yeah. And uh, I said, wow, I got a room with a view of the blues. <laughs> and oh, that's a great. Light bulb, a light bulb goes off in my head. I said, I, I called up Lowell. I said, we got to change the title of this song. And he, he liked it. So we did it, and uh, and um, the first recording was by a great singer from New Orleans named Johnny Adams. They call him the Tan Canary. <laughs> and then, uh, and I used to do it with the band. That's Trump's middle name. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and and then uh, Eric Burden heard it, and he was going to do a song on. Uh, um, what's his name the, the the band leader from letterman uh paul schaefer made an album and, and so he, he brought on some name guys and eric burden was one of them and eric burden sang room with a view so then my friend and i got a job producing lou rawls uh, blue note records signed him and uh we his career was in the doldrums at the time he had been making these what i call vegas disco albums just ter terrible albums that didn't sell and uh and and bruce lundvall who was the head of blue note said look just take him back to his roots you know the, the kind of music that lou did originally that people first loved him for you know jazz blues mm -hmm. 
So we did that. We, we took him to New York. We used the best musicians in New York, Richard T., Cornell Dupree, you know, Stanley Turrenty, George Benson, all these wow. great people. Wow. And, um, and he recorded seven of my songs, and one of which was Room with a View, which has gone on to become a sort of a modern, modern day blues standard with a, a yeah a, it, it really is yeah, yeah. Now, recorded yeah. by people you never heard of as well as Lou Rawls Billy you when you're talking about Lou Rawls not he was kind of his career wasn't that hot at that moment but now when you say his name he's like you know everybody knows Lou Rawls and he's, he's had such a great body of work yeah and I'm and I'm thinking and wondering the question just popped into my head that it must be interesting as being an artist such as yourself spanning all these decades and all these hits and writing hits hit after hit for 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 not only television film um, but 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 all these great artists they're always not they're not always known or as popular or as as well known as they are now so Right. So you meet them at different stages in life. Not always at the, they're not always at the top of their career. I, I would think when I look at your, the great work that you've done with these people and I, I recognize these names, they were always Dolly Parton. They were always Bonnie Raitt. But yeah. were they when you met them sometimes? Or well, they, we, we, we met, as I said, Lou at a downtime in his career, but we, we took him to number one on the jazz charts. Hmm. And the, the next two albums were also top five albums. And, and then he left the label. And a, several years later, I got a phone call from his manager, uh, David Brokaw. He said, I, I can't get Lou a record deal. I said, what? You can't get Lou Rawls a record deal? The guy's a big star. He said, I know. Nobody wants him. They think he's too old, blah, blah, blah. Got any ideas? So I said, well... You know, I'm not above using a gimmick. How about Old Brown Eyes sings Old Blue Eyes? Do mm. an album of all Sinatra songs. So he, he said, that's a great idea. And, and so I, I was doing, a, a, I do a lot, a lot of reissue work, uh, catalog work. And I was, I was doing reissues for a, an old jazz label called Savoy Records. And I, I, I hit them up. And they, they, they went for it. And uh, so I did the album for, for Savoy. And it stayed on the charts for like the six months. You know, it was the last album he ever made. Sadly, he passed away, you know, a couple of years later. But so we, we, had a, we, had a, we had a good run with Lou, uh, I must say. So you're one of these creative minds that not only creates the music, hears the music produces and, and 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 packages the music but you you also see others and you market you can market and and see it almost sounds like you can see ahead into the future a little bit what what they need maybe what might work for them um and but but not just a music artist you know you're an actor you're you're a historian for music um as you say you catalog old music and then you write and and it's just, um, there's a lot of levels to you, isn't there? Well, it goes back to something my, my sister said to me a long time ago. She said, you know, you do, you do a lot of things well. Uh, 
you should you should rather than um, concentrate on one thing. She said, she said you should do everything that you do because one year this one will do well, and the next mm -hmm. year that one will do well. So that you'll always be almost guaranteed to be able to make a decent living that yeah. way. Very and, smart and sister I, too. I, I figured out that the the age of specialization was over in show business, you know, and uh, I, I think I was right because, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've always been able to make a decent living, mm -hmm. especially since after I came out here to you, California. You've mentioned your sister a couple times now so far. What is her name? She, her name was Kathy or later Kat with a K uh -huh. McCord. And she was a, was a wonderful singer. And uh, I taught her how to write songs and uh, she, she became a very good writer. Um, she didn't have the success that her talent would have predicted. Mm. Um, unfortunately, everybody wanted to help her. She was a good looking girl. She had everything. Um, but it's for, you know, it's just some people it just doesn't click. And she was one of those sad to say. It sounds like you had a really great relationship though, really close and offered each other great advice. Well, like it probably was nobody else could for you. Right for each other <laughs> well my mother gave me great advice you know yeah. one of the things she said was uh you know show business is a business of peaks and valleys so you know one one year you'll make a bundle next year you'll make nothing so she said always live below your means which was just the best advice I ever got in my life. That's good advice. I wish I, I she would have given me that advice. I need a, my mom does that too, but I just don't listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well you know, she, she was in show business, my mother. You yeah, know, she was good uh, advice. Background singer on the Perry Como show and on Perry Como's hit records and stuff. Mm -hmm. So she had been around the block quite a bit. I want to talk about Larry Chance and your. 60 plus years of friendship and new project you're working on and get back um billy before we do though would you mind um we're gonna go to break right now we're, we're hanging out with billy vera on a rainy tuesday afternoon uh listening to some vinyl i found all vinyl recordings here that we're playing um we're listening this is dolly Parton. i don't know if we can you can sum her up and before break here quickly. Uh, but the song is I Really Got the Feeling by Dolly Parton. Do you want to give us a little teaser on that before we go to break? Sure. Um, well, you know, uh, as of a, a day or two ago, Dolly uh, was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't hear that. Yeah, wow. Big deal. Well, big ab deal. About time. Good for her. Congratulations, oh, man, Dolly. About time. And I really got the feeling uh, there's a, there's a, a, a kind of a longish story about how the, the song eventually got to her. So, but I, I will Do you say, want to tell it right after break? We'll just take the break and yeah, you come back. I'll, and I'll, I don't want I'll you to, I don't want I'll you leave, to censor anything. I'll, I'll leave them with this. It was my first number one record as a songwriter. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's not on your Wikipedia. I don't think, is it Billy? All right. Billy. Know. Billy Vera, uh, the great, great, I, I hope I'm not embarrassing you, but the great Billy Vera, BillyVera.com. Check him out on Instagram and follow him on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. On Instagram at Billy Vera, on Twitter at Billy Beater, on Facebook at Billy.Vera. And if I read those too quickly, just go to BillyVera.com. He's got a great website. You can uh, follow him and click on all his 
um, different social media sites. He's also got a show coming up uh, in December, it looks like, right, Billy? You've got Billy Billy Vera and his big band introducing his new hit, Stand by me, which we're going to premiere in its entirety at the end of the show. So stay tuned. Um, you can see Billy Vera and his big band Friday, December second, at eight p.m. Doors at six thirty p.m. Um, and this is at Feinstein's and Vitello's on forty three forty nine Tawanga Avenue in Studio City, California. Tickets are twenty five to forty five. What a bargain! Uh, if everybody goes, Billy can pay his rent and because <laughs> it's gone up. Billy Vera and his big band introducing their new hit again. Uh, stand by me, see him live at Feinstein and Vitello's. We'll be right back after this quick break. Oh, what do you think I would give at this moment? If you'd stay, I'd subtract 20 years. I'd fall down on my knees Kiss the ground that you walk on If I could just hold you again If I could just hold you If I If I could just hold you Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio. The Jeremiah Show airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday. Core Radio dot rocks. Hey there, I'm Caleb. I'm Becca. And I'm Joshua. And we are a girl named Tom. Go to girlnametom.com to hear more of our music buy merchandise, and learn about our story. You're listening to The Jeremiah Show. You've been listening to The Jeremiah Show. I am Miles Zuniga from Fastball. Hey, this is Tim. And this is Christian. We're L1011. Hi, this is Ron Sexsmith on The Jeremiah Show. 
We're back with The Jeremiah Show. day in Santa Barbara, Los Angeles. Uh, I know it is on the East Coast in Florida. Hope everybody's safe out there, especially our friend Cheryl Firstein uh, at East West Media and an old friend of Billy Vera, our special guest today. Billy, we were talking about, let me just tell you before we go back to Dolly Parton and the story you're about to tell, uh, we just brought you back from break with Hopeless Romantic by Billy mm. Vera. And I really like that song, Billy. I hadn't heard that one before. I really like that. Okay, Jerry so- Wexler produced that uh, after, this was after Atlantic. Uh, uh, I was on another label. This is 1989. Was it 89? No, 81. What am I talking about? And uh, we went, Jerry said, I want to take you down to Muscle Shoals, Alabama to record you down there with those guys. Because we had, I had recorded them in my Atlantic days so he to the to the day Jerry died, he said that that was one of the five greatest records he ever produced. And, and this is a guy that produced Ray Charles, mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin, Bob Dylan, and he said that hope to the I'm telling you to the day he died, he'd tell anybody that asked or even didn't ask that Hopeless Romantic was one of the five greatest records that he ever made. Really, really like the song, really do. He was a great producer. Tell us that you're a great singer and songwriter. <laughs> tell us about Dolly Parton, that you, the story you're about to tell. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll try to tell it as quickly as I can. Uh, I, I, I was into one of the bottom parts of my career. I was playing a, uh, a Ramada Inn in New Jersey. <laughs> and and those, if you play those, those gigs, they were like two-week gigs. And you're playing to three people during the week. So one of those weekdays, this fellow comes in with his wife and uh, and the waitress said he'd like to have a word with me. And he introduced himself. I am L. Russell Brown. I wrote tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. He says, you know, Vera, he says, you're a great singer. You're a great songwriter. Everybody knows how great you are. He said, he says, but you never make any money. 
He says, me, I make a lot of money and nobody respects me the way they respect you. He said, I had an idea while you were up there singing. He said, maybe we could write together and you could teach me how to get respect and I could teach you how to make money. So I, I started to go over to his house all the time and, and we wrote so good songs and some not so good songs. So anyway, one day he gets a job producing Nancy Sinatra. He said, I got to go pick up my wife at the beauty parlor. He said, start something for Nancy. We'll finish it when I get back. So I, I'm thinking, what do I write for Nancy Sinatra? You know, oh, she has this famous father. And I'm putting in lines like, I love my daddy, but it really don't matter what my daddy might say. Oh, yeah, that's a good line. And I finished the song in like 20 minutes. By the time he got back, it was done. And, and I played it for him. He says, oh, my God, I love it. I'm going to play it for Nancy. So he did. A couple of days later, she hated it. <laughs> and so he says, you got to do something with this song, man. He says, you got to prove me right. Prove her wrong. So I had a buddy. I had a buddy who had a little band up in Connecticut and uh, he had a girl singer. So we recorded it with her and everywhere we took the record, love the song, hate the girl, love the song, hate the girl. Last guy on my list, love the song, hate the girl, but we're recording Dolly next week. Give me the song for Dolly. You bet you can have it. He said, I'll guarantee it'll be the single. And it was, and it went to number one. Congratulations, congratulations. It's a yeah. great song. And I do love that line. That that line sticks out for sure. When I was listening to the song, I love it. I love the way she sings it. Well, it, it ended up where it should, I guess, there, huh? Um, oh, we got to take another break, Billy, real quick. I, and then we're going to come back. But uh, because we're running out of time, I'm not going to be able to get to your film career, your acting career. Uh, I love the doors, the scene that you, the, the, per, the <laughs> manager that you play right before they cause the riot and get, I love that scene. Uh, oh man, we just can't uh, get to all of it today. So I'm going to have to come back when we, when you'll have to come back one more time, at least if I can, I'll we'll send do, you, we'll I'll send you a, a big check. Week. We'll do a full week next time. Yeah, let's do a full week and let's talk about film and, and all the great television shows. Uh, I'm going to mention them before we leave. Uh, I don't care if Richard Richard will cut me off, but I'll keep talking. Um, <laughs> but let's go to break real real quick, and then we're going to come back. We're going to take you to break with one of my favorites from from my memories uh, growing up with my parents. They just loved Bonnie Raitt and the, this album. Uh, and this song was one of the just so much fun to listen to. I have good memories. Papa Come Quickly, Jody and Chico, Bonnie Raitt. Um, you got a quick sentence to set that up? I'm sure. so sorry to short cut uh, you. Bonnie had just made the first really, truly big record of her career, Nick of Time. After 15 albums that didn't sell very well for Warner Brothers, she goes to Capitol. She calls me up and she says I, I you know i don't write very much i i'm desperate i need songs for this follow-up album you got anything so i i, I was going to do send her some ballads because i love the way she sings ballads mm -hmm. and, and my friend was eavesdropping on a phone call between me and him his wife was eavesdropping and she said S tell us tell him to send that little cajun song i said ah, i don't know if it's good for bonnie so, but she says, so stick it on the end of the tape. So I did. Of course, that's the one she picked because I guess she needed an up-tempo song. And uh, the album did about six million records, you know. So we did pretty well with that one. Mm. And I got to play guitar on the record. 
Well, I can see why people opened the door for you everywhere you went. <laughs> the hit maker. Okay, so I'm going to mention this. You played the Miami promoter in the Oliver Stone film, The Doors, which is an incredible <laughs> film, one of my favorites. Uh, and that was such a fa- that was one of my favorite scenes. I didn't realize it was you until I looked it up on IMDb today to see what role you played in The Doors. And I'm like, oh my God, now I, now I recognize him. Um, so, so many great uh, TV shows. Um, Late for Dinner, Soap Opera, Days of Our Lives, The Vin- Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Um, you mentioned, they mentioned Family Ties, which was, again, when I was a kid, one of my favorite shows. In 1985, a producer from the television show Family Ties was in the audience at one of your shows and heard you play at this moment. The song was subsequently featured in 1985 as a backdrop for romantic interludes between the lead characters Alex P. Keaton, Michael J. Fox, and his girlfriend, Ellen, which is Tracy Pullen, which is now his wife, um, mm-hmm. and has been his wife his whole life. I wondered, just to answer yes or no, if you know this question, because um, they wed in real life as well. Do you know yeah. if they played uh, your song at their wedding? I hope not, because <laughs> it's too sad. I but, bet. But he, was, he was on uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon, and, and of course the band played at this moment as they to bring him on. And he, he said, you know, everywhere I go, they play that song. <laughs> if Tracy and I go into a club or a res- uh, where there's a band, they play at this moment. He said, it's a great song, but I'm really sick of hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, Billy, that it was played at their wedding. It had to have been. All right. People so ask me, but I, I, I won't do it at a wedding because it's, it's a sad song. Yeah, break. it is. It is. Hopeless romantic could be great I'm for a wedding. A That's good. That's good. Okay, so Billy Vera, BillyVera.com. Um, check him out. You got. You can find out what he's doing. Um, we're going to talk. We've got a, f- a few more minutes left, and I just, we need to hear about the documentary and the autobiography and the um, Stand By Me, the... the you know your friendship your your long friendship we're gonna have to do that all in our closing segment so i'm gonna shut up now i'm gonna say goodbye but stay with us we're about to premiere billy vera's new uh, single at the end of the show here stand by me And if you told me the ocean went dry, I'd believe it was true. So call me a hopeless romantic, cause I can still believe. Check out Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. Hi there, everybody. This is Ann Hitch. Hey, everybody. I'm Art Alex Hucks from the band Everclear. My name's Danny Dreho. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Jeremiah, your loved home. you 
need help with your restaurant or hospitality business, see how we can help your business at hjlrestaurantadvisors.com. Hey, it's Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of the Jeremiah Show. So listen. Hey, this is Jeff Stunk Baxter. Please open your heart and reach out to a veteran and let them know, number one, that they are loved and respected. You won't give up if they don't give up. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Welcome back to The Jeremiah Show. I'm spending an hour listening to some great music by our special guest today, Billy Vera. Uh, songs that he's written with artists, songs that he has uh, performed and sings himself. Tell me, if you could, Billy, about Larry Chance. Well, Larry and I... Um Larry Chance, of course, was the lead singer of the Earls. Remember that. <laughs> and uh, I met him in 1962 at a club we both played at. And we've been friends ever since. So last year, I got a gig at my old high school. And they had, they had, had me do an interview, a radio interview with this really lame disc jockey. And he was going to be the MC, And I said, oh, my God, I can't have this guy MC me. I'll call up Larry. Maybe he, if he's not working, he'll do it. And of course, he did. And so he gave me this beautiful, flowery introduction. And then at the end of my show, I bring Larry out. And we do an impromptu version of Stand By Me, the old Benny King hit. And we got a standing ovation. So what so, day was this? I'm sorry, I missed that part. What? Last June. Last, last June. June. Okay, okay. Yeah. So a couple of days later, he calls me up. He said, you know, I cut a track on Stand By Me. Uh, How would you feel about putting your voice on? I said, well, yeah, if it's, if it's not too much like Benny's record, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the greatest records ever made. Yeah. So I said, send me the track. Well, he sends me the track and it was like Count Basie, man. I mean, it was just an awesome arrangement. So I, I put my voice on 
Larry, I sent it back to Larry. He put it together, puts out the record. And, and, and all of a sudden we're getting jazz stations playing it uh, down in the Carolinas. I mean, every station down there is playing the record. It's like getting all this press and everything. It's, 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 it's really exciting what's going on with this record. Um, Are you reaching a new generation that doesn't know the history and all the... Uh, well, everybody uh, knows song. Stand By Me. I mean, because it's, it's just one of those... Maybe classes. the younger kids, though. Are they embracing it as well? And, and they, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I played it for Mike Stoller, one of the guys that wrote the song. And he loves it. You know, he, he says, I got a girl at my publishing company. Her one job is to get our songs in movies, TV shows and commercials. He said, I I'm going to tell really lean on her to do that. So, I mean, we if that happens, we could really make some money off of this thing. Yeah. So and, and I, I love the record. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like a lot of my own records, but I, I just really, really love it, you know, so. So where People, can we find it, Billy? Where can we on anything, whether Apple Everywhere. or Spotify or any, any of those streaming things? Yeah. <laughs> All those streaming platforms out there. There's a lot of them, and then the documentary, uh, you know, follows your life um, as uh, from Harlem to Hollywood. Yeah, um, you've Dolly's got in there. Dion Warwick's in there. Uh, Richard Roundtree, my old homie from back in new york uh tim hauser the late tim hauser from manhattan transfers in there what was that uh, like uh, uh, cool people the, yeah the not only writing the memoir but then putting this into a documentary and to having that uh, you know spending that time with people that you've spent a lifetime with and that but, but them celebrating you and reflecting on your life at this point what's that feel like it's, it really felt good. You know, at first I said, you know, am, am I worthy of, of a documentary? Am I a big enough name? Because I, I remember I got a lot of resistance when 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 uh, it, people were bugging me to do, the fans were bugging me to do a, write the book. And, but, but like we took it to um, book agents and they said, ah, you're not a big enough name to be worthy of a book, you know, blah, blah. So we did, I just did it myself. And then we, we, we finally got a, a publisher and, and the, the thing's done fairly well, you know, and, and everybody that reads it just loves it. And that led to me being asked to write other books. I wrote a, I wrote a, a history of a record company called Specialty Records that had Little Richard, Sam Cooke, Lloyd Price, all these great people. Yeah. In fact, the guy that owned the company, Art Roop, lived in lived out his final uh, of his 104 years in Santa Barbara. I would go up to see him. I, I went when he had a birthday. You know, he he was kind of my boss up there, and uh, he just died this past year at 104. Wow! Discovered all those great artists. I think uh, music helps you live a little longer if you do it right. <laughs> yeah, and he 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 loved music to his dying day. He he was he was losing his hearing, you know, in the last few years. But he 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 would go when COVID came, and he was an old man by this time. And his doctor said, "Don't go out. You know, you're too old." So he ended up spending most of his days on YouTube listening to music. Well, I was just I just watched the uh, Chris Wallace interview with Clive Davis last night, and I think he's ninety at, at the point of the interview. 
uh, which is a few months ago. And he said, yeah, I'm not retiring, and I, I just love music too much. I just have to be involved and 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 listen, and it just it fuels me. It keeps me young. So I It's like George Burns' famous line, retire to what? <laughs> well, uh the, um, okay, so I, I would definitely want everybody out there. Do you want to tease in the autobiography? What's something? Give me something in there that that people just don't know or might find out. You don't have to tell us what what they're going to find out, but what? Give us a tease on the book on the on picking up a copy. What are we going to learn, Billy? Well, I, I didn't. I didn't story? want to put in any any salacious stuff. You know, I remember I, I was. I was friendly with Angie Dickinson, you know, the, mm -hmm. the movie star. Yep. She's the one that got me my star on Hollywood, Hollywood Walk of Fame. You're and in the I, photo with her, aren't you, if I remember? Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll put that up on Facebook so everybody can see it. Okay. Well, she, she, they asked her to write a book. They offered her a couple of million to write her book, but they wanted her to write who she slept with, who mm -hmm. she dated. And she said, uh, it's not worth the money to do that. You know, it's, 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 it's it, people that don't have any class do that. Yeah. You know, so I, I didn't want to get funky. <laughs> well, you can read a lot of other great stories and, and there's so oh, much yeah. to your life. Uh, you've been involved in so many of our favorite hits and, and songs that bring back memories of my life and so many countless others out there would agree with that. Uh, so thank you, Billy. Um, I'd like if you've done, I'm sure you have done so many radio shows. I was thinking about you today. I'm like, poor guy probably really doesn't want to do this show, <laughs> but you're, you're here and you're doing it and you bring yourself and every, your personality to it. And I really respect you and appreciate that, that you, that you oh, did that good. today with me. Well, I, I believe in you doing them, you know, I'm, I'm at the age now I'm 78 and, and, and I'm getting, I'm getting calls to do them almost one a week. That's now, great. You know? So, you know, I, I, and, and I know how to do them. You know I mean? You're yeah. a good interviewer. Oh, thank you. Everybody isn't. And so what do you do when that happens? You got, you end up having to interview yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you have to fill in all the blank spots. Um, yeah. I appreciate that. I really appreciate your compliment. What I wanted to ask you is, could you set up this song? Uh, have you ever been asked to DJ or like, you know, really put out, uh, announce well, records and songs on air? That's another thing I do. I, I have a, a DJ show every oh. Saturday. Oh, what? What on is KSTS it? in San Diego. Yeah. Wow. Jazz88.org. And you're Saturday. the host? Yeah, I had I no idea. Old, so old, what they call jump blues, you know, like it's like R and B and jazz from the late from the forties to the, the pre rock and roll fifties. That's what they wanted. So I'm on there every week, and 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 all the shows are archived. Oh, so, so you can listen to you go back on a podcast or. No, this is on radio, a regular radio station. Right, but uh, but we can find your shows, past shows yeah. are all archived. Yeah. yeah, great. And it's on all over the world, wherever. I mean, you can you can hear it all anywhere in the world. Well, could so. you do me a favor and announce your new single for us? Can you set you it bet. up and then we're going to play it and I'm going to say goodbye. Um, and thank you so much, Billy. It's been a real... Well, thank you for having me, Jeremiah. I, I hope to but see right you Right now, we're going to bring you Larry Chance and Billy Vera singing their brand new hit recording of the old classic standard by Benny King, Stand By Me.
When the night has come Oh, and the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid I Come on and stand by me And if the sky we look upon Should tumble and fall All the mountains Should crumble to the sea Let me tell you, darling, I won't cry I won't cry Why? I won't shed a tear Just as long as you stand by me, pretty little doll, I want you stand by me. This is comedian Maz Jobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. 
Communicate. Listen more and evolve. I'ma put my guns in the ground. I can't shoot them anymore. That cold black cloud is coming down. This is Miles Copeland. Yeah, I just had the honor of speaking to the Jeremiah Show. Who would have believed that little old me would have the opportunity to speak on such a prestigious show? And they even talked about my book, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, My Life in the Music Business. So it was a great pleasure to uh, be on that show, The Jeremiah Show. I love you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.